Now I want uh, for a few moments this morning to look at John 20, what we read there, John 20, and at verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And then at, at verse 24, that is, is the appearance. And here we have the absence at verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, or Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he couldn't accept that unless he saw the marks and then the assurance at the end the one who assured them in their disbelief and Thomas and all he said to them to Thomas at verse 27 then he said to Thomas put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my sight. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Then Thomas answered and said, My Lord and my God. And that is what Christ wanted to hear from the beginning, and that is what he wants to hear from us here this morning also, is the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our own life. So often people have Lordship over the Word of God. But that is not the way it was meant to be. It was meant to be for the Word of God to have Lordship over our lives. We are the problem. They were the problem. Jesus wasn't the problem. But they couldn't see that. Because we read in the, the chapter previous to this, at verse, at verse 20 where we read, but as yet they did not understand the scripture. There is a difference between knowing something and understanding the same thing. We can know it off by heart, certain things. We can know the Bible from beginning to end without understanding the scriptures, understanding it as it is applied to our own personal lives. See, the disciples here had been through a couple of long nights of gloom and sorrow, and who could blame them because of what had happened? They had heard unusual things. You see, we're on this side of the resurrection and we should never find it so difficult when we think back to how these people must have thought at that time when they were on the other side of the resurrection prior to Christ's rising when when they were walking with him along the way but he expects now to see a difference in their lives And he was the one who was to bring the difference into their lives, 
It's not something that mechanically we can work through ourselves and say, well, I, I think today I'll be a Christian and tomorrow I might not be a Christian. But that's not how the Christian faith works. It doesn't start with us. It starts with God and it finishes with God. They had heard these things, but now, you see, their hope has gone. See, when you build on the sands of time here, how your hope immediately goes when something happens that you didn't expect, you weren't ready for it. There's an earthquake under you, and it shifts everything and changes everything for you. But now, because their hope was placed on something else. And you could be here this morning, and you could be a very respectable person in all cases, but your hope, your hope, your understanding of the gospel, that is the interesting thing, that is the important thing, that is the only important thing in this whole world this morning. In the midst of all the important things that we may can call important, if we have this, my friend, to be found, he said, in Christ, Paul said, not having my own righteousness. Our own righteousness is so close to us because of our nature, our fallen nature, my friend. But he has crucified now. He is dead. And no one has a faith to take them beyond that moment. And that is why uh, uh, we have a living faith, my friend. A living faith. That is what makes a Christian a Christian, my friend. To have a living faith, a living relationship. There has to be a contact with this one to make us to be what we are not by nature. But they had heard now he is not here, he said. He is not here. Maybe there are moments in your life, plenty of them. In my life anyway, well, we could turn round and say that also. He's not here. I can't find him. Wherever I go to look for him, I can't find him. That's the darkness that envelops us so often in disbelief, my friend. But these people... They had never seen anything like this before. Never. Oh, they had seen Lazarus being raised from the dead, but Lazarus had to go again and die again. But they hadn't seen this one. And yet he had told them about all this. He had told them again and again and again. In the, in the very chapter here that we have in John's Gospel, he said, I have said, in verse, chapter 16, he said, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Sorrow now, he said, has filled your hearts. But it is to your advantage that this has happened. Except this happened, he said. Except a, a, a grain of seed falls into the ground and dies. It cannot bring forth life. And that is what Jesus said to them. 
I say to you that you will weep, he said, and lament over what is going to happen. But he said the world will laugh at it, scorn it. And that's how it still is. The world will be scorning you for being here maybe today. Because that's all they know. They can't go beyond the grave. They can argue up to the grave and they can argue a lot of things and from this angle, that angle, philosophical angle, whatever angle. But they can't cross over beyond the grave. And that is why it is so important for us to have a living relationship with this one. But he said, you have sorrow. But he said, I will see you again, he said. I will see you again. And you will rejoice, and no man will take that joy from you. That's resurrection joy that he's talking about here. It hasn't happened yet, but it's about to happen, and it's going to happen through his own life, through his appearing with them there. But I kept you, he says, in that situation. They are not of this world, he said, so they can't understand this. See, never try to argue a person into the kingdom of God. You can never do it. Fatal. Fatal. Because there are plenty of answers to come back naturally. Natural man. He cannot see this. But Jesus says it was his desire that you would have this. There are only two people in this world, my friend, today, and these are believers and unbelievers. Believers and unbelievers. People who have crossed over with Christ through the grave and have risen on the other side where he, where he rose and he gave them the signs of all that. And this is where he's asking them here just now. Jesus, the appearance he made here into their presence. They were despairing. They were, they were afraid. They were afraid of the Jews. They were afraid of what would happen to them now after they had followed, followed this person and all that he had said and all that they had said regarding him. But now, he said, he's dead. He's gone. No hope left then. Well, don't you believe that one? Perplexing times and times of confusion abound in this world here, he said. But they were hiding away there when Jesus came and stood among them at verse 19. He came and stood among them. He doesn't pass them by. He could have easily said. He doesn't scold them. Because, you see, he has a heart full of love for them. He has gone through that agonizing days, the days before this, right until the moment that he is now alive. But he's now going to come in and speak with him. And maybe that's what you want. You need today. You need to hear the voice 
of the Son of God. It's, it, it's not a fantasy. It's a real. It's real. And the natural mind has a problem with anything that's real. Anything that's true. Because it twists it this way and that way. And we all did it, mother. We all did it. Knowledgeable as the people were, say. But Jesus didn't go past that day. He came into their little hovel that they were gathered in there. They had locked the door for fear of the Jews. He didn't come onto the edge. He didn't come close to them in a sense. He didn't stand outside the door. He didn't go a bit away from them. He came and stood in the midst of them. And that was baffling to them, my friend. And it would be baffling to us and is baffling to many people, even until this morning. A lot of speculation about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A lot of speculation about the Bible and how true the Bible is. But you always remember that the Bible is not about speculation. It is about revelation. The revelation that you received. And that is what Jesus was giving these people here. He was giving them this bit of a revelation of who he was. Important to see that he was alive. How did he come in there? People speculate on that. They have written books on that. For, against, everything. But to no avail, my friend, this is what he says. He came in, and that's good enough. That's good enough. He, was, he had a resurrected body. He had an ability as to create you and me. And, and, and in him we live and move and have our being. And could he not come in there with the door shut? Of course he could. Did he not come into your heart when the door was shut? That's the important thing. It's not about speculating about what he did that night. That's fine. He's in control of all that. But now he, is, he is, has come in to your heart, my friend, if you're a Christian here this morning. Christ Jesus dwells within you. How did he come in there? How did he get through the doors that were bolted against him? And all, all our theology was ripped up and thrown away. All our righteousness was ripped up and thrown away because they weren't worth anything. And he came in and Jesus never comes in alone. He has always something to give you. He came in and he, he said to them, Peace be with you. That is the very thing that they needed at that moment. And that is the very thing that we need also maybe on this morning. And with all the murmurings of our heart and all the things that upset us in this life. How soon the peace of God, Matthew, that passes all understanding, enters in, and that is what happens when a person is converted. He has peace with God 
through the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. That's the pro- that was the problem from the beginning since we fell away from him. There is something in us that wants in a way to come back to, but to come back in our own way. Our own way. But that was never going to be the case, you see. And the cross then was not, my friend, an instrument, was a, an instrument of despair, not at all, but an instrument of glory, an object of glory, my friend. Paul could say, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom the world is crucified in, and I into this world crucified. If you're a Christian here today, my dear friend, you're bearing a cross. You can't walk two ways without an offending one. And it's based not on legend, not on a fantasy, not on something that came across from America or from from the heights of somewhere else, they said, and then withers away. No, it is totally stated upon the immovable God. By two immovables promises. That is what it says. And that is what we have here. Perhaps you feel that lack of peace today. Maybe you're something bugging you. You're not going to share it with me or with anybody else. And we know exactly what you're talking about. And your, your Christian friends here know exactly what you're talking about because they have been through it at some point or other in their life. But Jesus had said to them, in this world, he said, you will have tribulation, he said. That's to the Christian. He will have tribulation, but he always backs that up with something special. He will have tribulation, but he says, but, and that's, and that's the interesting and important word, he say, I have overcome the world. This world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, he said. I have overcome this world. Do you believe that, my friend, this morning? Do I believe that the way I ought to believe it? It is as we believe it that it brings comfort into our lives. Not trying to understand it and work it out in a theory or in some premise or other that we find close to it. Not at all. But to find it, the, the, the eyes of our understanding, Paul says, being opened. The eyes of our understanding being opened. And that's what happened to him and to multitudes more after that. He found Christ, my friend. The one who was in the grave as far as the others were concerned. But he's not in the grave. And he's not in the grave this morning. 
Jesus had to come beside them and say, look at my hands, he said, and my side. Who did that? Who did that? Well, he says, you did it, he says, but I have forgiven you for it. Look at my side, he said. Who has done this? You have done it. It's the marks of our sins in Christ's body, my dear friend. But no one can see that, the way they live their lives at the moment. They are marks, my friend, of our sins. But what effect does it have upon them? Oh, he said, they were glad when they saw the Lord. When they saw. There's no big dissertation. A 2,000 word dissertation required of them. But when they saw it. When they saw it. When that moment when it happened. As, the, as Newton said. The hour he said. I first believed. That's going to carry you through. To your last hour. But so often. We want more and more of that. We need we want to have something every day of life, but well that is not the type of faith that we have in Christ. It's a faith that we have to work with. And he said to them that they would I'm going to send you, he said, as the Father has sent me, then he says, I'm sending you. And he gave them the goods, he said, of the Holy Spirit just to do that for him. Because as Christ said, without me, he said, you can do nothing. Or you can say much, but that's not the, that's not the answer. No. But from that on, because he lives. I remember one day walking up to a home uh, where there had been a sad situation. And the lady of the, the, the house was walking up the path. And, uh, and we just looked at each other and we said because he lives she said I can face tomorrow because he lives said, I can face tomorrow and how true that was and every time I hear that I, I link it into her life what, what she had gone through was just horrific. Anyway, but that's by and by the way. But that's what kept her going. He is not dead. He is alive, my friend. He is risen. He is risen. But then we see the absence. There's always a problem. And when there's a good thing, there's always something that comes along to rob us of it. The best moment that you have, mark it, be sure that it won't be long before something comes and deflates the whole system from under you. But that's, that's, the way life, that's the way life is. But Thomas here was, at verse 24, he was not there with them when Jesus came in. He wasn't there. I wonder why he wasn't there. Well, he, he, he wasn't there. He didn't have a, a, an excuse for not being there. But he, the main thing is, he was not there. The other ten were there. Judas had gone to his own place. But Thomas 
was absent. He was missing. And he's missed more than he could ever realize. He missed that moment, that precious moment, when Jesus came and stood with the others in that house. Is that not the way it is very often, when we make excuses for certain things and we never measure the excuse against the validity of it or how important it is in the, in the light of the truth of what Christ did for us, he said. See, you and I are not to know when that special moment comes. When it's going to be, it might be at the very moment when you least expect it. It might be at the darkest moment in the night in your life, my friend. Because you see it dark like that. But the stars, they shine brighter on the darkest night. And that's what happened here. He came into their midst. Because God puts blessings in the way of obedience, my friend, of obedience. And that is why it's so important for us all to be obedient. However difficult it is, you strive, strive to strangle that and make your way to God's house and to where the blessing has been experienced by thousands of people before you. They have found this to be true. Not feeble excuses. Because you do need Paul addresses the, the Hebrews, he says that to them, he says, not to get tired of gathering like together around God's word, he said. That stifles you, that brings a hardness and a coldness into the human heart, my friend, because it is only in its place when Christ is with him. Now there are, there are issues when people can't do that, where I realise that. There are many people who can't come out to church and they don't come out to church. But, but if we can, my friend, for all the time that we have left in this world, my friend, we don't have hundreds of years. We don't have that. We only have today, this moment. And that's what Jesus is saying to them there. The important thing is not to be arguing about how he entered but how he entered into your heart, my friend. Christ Jesus lives. How do you know he lives, he said. He lives within my heart, he said. Another person was asked once at a testimony meeting, when he was giving his testimony, and people were arguing with him and things like that, they always do. But they said, uh, he said, how do you know, he says, that you are a Christian? And he gave him a very simple answer. He said, I know, he said, because I was there when it happened. Simple. I was there, he said, when it happened to me. That's, and I say the same thing myself. How do I know I've been converted? Because I was there when it happened. When Christ came into the room. When Christ came into my heart. And threw everything else aside. All the theology went out the window. 
But the disciples here, they couldn't convince Thomas. See what he says there. He said, we have seen the Lord, they said to him. Or he said, in verse uh, 25, he said, unless I. See, the, ma- the mighty I comes into this. The I. Unless I see this, and I understand this, and I put my finger there, and put my hand, there he says, I will not, he said, believe. Well, he had been through the resurrection for him. He had seen the crucifixion. He had seen all that had happened. The horror of it all. And was God going to allow that to go on for nothing? Not at all. That's how we are saved. Because of Christ. Because of what he did. That he died the death we deserve to die. An old preacher said once, he said, when you hear, he said, that I die. He says, don't you believe it. Don't you believe it? I will, he says, be then more awake, he says, and alive than I've ever been. Yes, because, you see, you have moved through the resurrection. We are on his side, on the other side of the resurrection. We're not going to be buried again. We have been risen with Christ, he said. And if we have been risen with Christ, we are to ask for the things that are above where Christ is. That should be our food, my friend. Not the, the oligarchs of this life, my friend, and the riches and all these things, they vanish, my friend. When Onassis, my dear friends, Onassis, or time is Onassis, the, the great ship owner, had fleets of tankers and, and, and fleets of, of aeroplanes and, and whatnot, he said, one time. And he, he said, he said, uh, he thought he was the most powerful person in the world. And he was, in a sense. In his own little sense, he was. But that's not what the papers said when, it, when they, he was revealed the next day. The papers came up with Onassis, by all means, was. Well, Onassis was this and had everything in this world. That's what the headline said. But there were two words that followed that, that diffused the whole thing. He had everything in this world except happiness. It had eluded him, my friend. Came to nothing. Regardless of it all. We don't have to have a hand in it. Christ has done it. Christ has finished it for you. Christ is offering you a place here today. And then, last of all, it is because he is passing by. He is with us here this morning in his risen power, my friend. So do not despise such a great salvation, my friend. A, a word of assurance, he said, came from Christ here in verse 26. He said to Thomas in verse 27, after eight days, he said, I came. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger there now, he said. Well, he didn't expect that, you see. He didn't expect that Christ knew what he had said previously. He had said to the disciples, unless I see. But now here is Christ, the all-knowing one, who knows your hearts and my hearts, my thoughts and everything. And here he comes. And he puts him right in his place. 
humbles him because he realizes he has been found out. Found out. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, he said. Well, do that, he said. Do this, he said. He offers him this unbelieving request, but he offers him in a different way. The word, he said, he felt so small. The word spoken now, he said, Don't you believe, he says, don't you disbelieve. Don't you allow little things that become mountains to, to erase this one. Because it can't be. Not life, not death, nor earth, nor hell, nor time's destroying sway can ever erase this from your heart. If the name of Christ is in your heart today, and dare you die without Christ. That's how I see it myself, my friend that nearer my, my end of my days come and I know my, my limitations are, are very limited at the moment and I, I know that I want to share this with you don't be silly thinking that this isn't part or partial of your own life as well no on this morning I heard of a boy who, was, who used to be a young lad like myself on a ship with me he, he passed away in the hospital like that. That's, that's the way it is, you see. We have no hold on this unless Christ has a hold on you. Christ has a hold on you, you see. Jesus rebukes him and says, don't be disbelieving. But he said, believe. And is that not what he said? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, is Jesus, Paul said to the jailer. It's down to believe, it's not down to books of theology that can explain many things. But at the end of the day, you see, we meet at the cross. Meet at the cross. Or we don't meet at all. We meet at the cross. Come to the cross, my friend, today and see this. He is not here. He is not in the grave, my friend. He is risen. He is far above it, and he is awaiting his own to come back. And that is when Thomas makes that great and glorious confession that rings through the scriptures there. My Lord, he said, and my God. Not somebody else's God, but my God and my Lord. Lord over all, he said. And that is very important. Don't be tempted to follow them afterwards. You don't follow Peter, you don't follow John, you don't follow Paul, you don't follow ministers, you don't follow anything like that. They are just finite creatures who tell you about these things. Paul, Peter wasn't long until he was going fishing, he said. And the others were going to go fishing with him, away from it. But Jesus said to them, cast the net on the right side. Have you been casting the net on the wrong side? Have you been doing the wrong things? Trying to work your way into the the kingdom and into a work that has already been completed. What an insult to Christ. A work, he said, it is finished. It is finished. That was his cry. 
one word. One word, my dear friend. Or maybe you're saying, oh, well, I don't know about this other person. What, will, what about the other person, he says? What about this man? What about this woman, he said? What did he say to them? If it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that unto you? You follow me. Not Paul, not Peter, nor any of them. They all testified. They were all, Peter was crucified upside down on the cross because he didn't deserve to be crucified the way Christ was. These are the things that these people did, my friend, because they believed, savingly believed, that because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. That is the only reason. There is no other saviour. There is no life. There is nothing in heaven on earth that can bring us into this situation. Well, Jesus can. If you failed in all the other things that you've tried, my friend. And there's a lot of failure today. Young people try all sorts of things. They They are swung away from the course onto other things and that. And try this, try that, try the next thing, and try. Don't try it, my friend. Listen to what the Bible is saying to you. you see. What does it matter about that man? But it really matters that you follow me. Follow me. That is your great reward in heaven, because that is where he is this morning, in heaven, to bless us. May God bless his word to us this morning. Lord, be with us now. Breathe on us in your Holy Ghost and mellow our hearts in such a way that we can truly understand and see your goodness and your good work, your finished work. And it is for Jew and Gentile, Lord, And we pray for them today, Lord, also. Wherever there are distressing conditions, go with us now, Lord, we pray, and ask us, Lord, to look after us in the last of our days on this earth here. For we ask it in the name of him who loved us and gave himself for us. What more could I have done for you, he says. I have trod the winepress alone. For Jesus' sake.